Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, welcome, welcome, everybody, to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're glad you're here. We've got an exciting show today, as always, right? Um, as always. As always. Alex, how you doing? I'm good, man. How about you? Awesome. Awesome. Been um, wholesaling some HUDs lately. Really? Actually getting some HUDs under contract? Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Our friend Sean Terry, I did the course webinar series with him probably, it's been about yeah, four years that. ago now, on HUDs. I remember that. And uh, it was, I said, uh, okay. I need to stop saying um. That's I was talking to the guys before we did this podcast. I'm going to try real hard to stop saying uh or um. But let me say this. It was like four years ago what, that I did this pod, this uh, webinar series with Sean Terry on flipping HUDs. And I learned a gr- lot of great information on how to flip HUDs, but I just never did it. I was, I've always been real comfortable doing what I've always been doing, right? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> I never was – no, this is the truth. I never was saying on there that I am regularly flipping HUDs. It, I was kind of like the co-host. I was just yeah, helping good. Sean. I was hosting the, the webinars, helping him out and doing the, the technical stuff of re, recording it and asking him the questions and setting it all up and packaging it at the end and putting it on a website, all that good stuff. So I never did say I was flipping HUDs, but I just never, I don't know, I thought it was great. I thought, man, this is really cool. I was telling people, hey, you should go to Sean Terry's HUD flipping webinar and get his course. And But it wasn't until just about a couple months ago that I said, you know what, I'm going to take this HUD thing more seriously. <laughs> and I, I, I have an assistant who's a realtor, and I said, I want you to start bidding on HUDs every day. And we bid on about... Uh, three to four HUDs every day, but there's total at any one time maybe 30 HUDs in my area, and so we bid on all quite a bit actually. Well, I was just when you were talking, I was looking on my site, and in one of my counties, there's like three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so you know, I we have, and then that's the 20 that range all the way from you know, five thousand dollar properties up to 200 or so. So I just told her, I said, start bidding on them every day. And so we bid on each HUD at least once a week. And every day, that's about four or five HUDs. And she doesn't get to it every day. But I'm thinking about getting a VA to start maybe helping with that and doing some more of it. But we've got, I'm not kidding, in the last couple months, we've had about five accepted, five bids accepted. Now what about on the flip side? Well, we flipped two of them. All right. So the three of them, we just didn't sign the contract. We were in it too high. What yeah. type of numbers did you get? On one of them, we are going to make a thirteen thousand dollar wholesale fee. Wow, thirteen grand on a HUD. That's great. Yes, and the other one, I don't know to be honest. Um, it, what, it's not as big of one. I know that. I think it's more like five or six thousand dollar our wholesale fee on it. These are properties that, if you're familiar with the Midwest, you know these are homes that are. They would only sell to landlords, and they'd probably sell for thirty to forty grand, all fixed up to a landlord, and they'll rent for maybe eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month. Now, are you selling them to your um, 
regular buyers or is it something you're just putting out there and trying to putting a line out there and checking out what kind of bites you're getting? Well, you know, the cool thing about the way I do deals when I work with other wholesalers, so I partner with them, I do the marketing, I do the VAs and the pre-screening and put everything in Podio. Right. The cool thing about working with other wholesalers is they already have this amazing buyers list of people. Now they're always trying to build it, but they... So you're talking your local market right now though, right? Well, yeah. So my guys, they sell all of our deals with just a couple phone calls or text messages. Okay. Now, I will say this, you, and this is something anybody listening to this, I've talked about it before, but you've got to do this. If you're, if you're a deal maker and you're actually out there really doing deals, you need to start a local wholesalers mastermind in your city. I'm telling you, this is one of the best things I've ever done for my own deal making business is because... I started this group, and there's a couple really good RIAs here in St. Louis, but the the big players don't go to it, right? And so I said, listen, I want to start a wholesalers group where you have to be somebody that's actually already doing three to five deals or more a month to be invited to come. And you have to be invited to come. So guess what? It's like all the big players now are here. They're coming to it. That's pretty cool. No, we don't have all of them. There's probably... We probably have 75, 80% of the wholesalers in the St. Louis area that are coming to this. It's once a month for one or two hours in my office, and these guys love it. And here's the cool thing. Uh, we're wholesaling a lot of deals to each other. There's a couple guys who are, you know, they're buying properties for their own, uh, for their own inventory, and so they're buying a lot of properties. And a lot of other guys, they have maybe a deal that they can't sell, they need a buyer for. Well, somebody else has a buyer for them. So we're doing a lot of co-wholesaling with each other in the group. So we have our own little uh, you know, Google group. People are wholesaling deals. Hey, I got a deal. Does anybody have a buyer? Um, some guys are whole- putting things on there saying, hey, I got a buyer. Does anybody have a deal? It's, it's amazing. These guys would not come to uh, the regular RIA group you know, because they, they're, they're not getting much out of it. But they will come to a group like this, and it's a great way. I don't look at competition. I don't look at other wholesalers as competition. I look at them as partners. Does that make sense? Makes 100% sense. So anyway, that's, we're, we're, we're selling a lot of our deals through the group. Let's go. Cool. And the crazy thing is this, too. A lot of these guys are telling us, this is what's working for me right now, or this is what's not working for me. We're getting a lot of that from guys. And it's... At first, everybody is kind of like walking on eggshells, kind of a little leery of talking to other people and sharing their secrets. But it seems like now people are really opening up and saying, you know, I spent $1,000. One guy spent over 1000 bucks putting advertisements on the back of receipts at the grocery stores. You know when you go to the grocery store and you get the receipt and on the back of the receipt yeah. is all those ads? Usually you see it for some kind of little something. But, yeah, absolutely. Well, he put like for $1,000, he got – 400,000 impressions on these receipts. And it was just a we buy houses, a little text, and his phone number, right? Guess how many leads he got? How many? One. And you know who that one was? It was me because I saw the receipt and I called it to see who it was. was, That's funny. I was the only lead he got from that. So, yeah, he tells us. Now, maybe he's lying. Maybe maybe he's just telling us that it doesn't work and it really does. Lying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I believe him. It doesn't it doesn't work that well. So so here we go. Wholesaling HUDs. Why? Because I can. And I you know, I'm not doing it. I have an assistant who's doing it for me. 
and she on on these deals. I am paying her an hourly wage, um, but she's great, and she gets a little commission uh, out of the deal as well. So she has a lot of incentive. Oh, she's doing her, it. Yeah, I love this business. Absolutely, absolutely. No, well, it's good. I mean, it's you want to set up yourself. You know, you can look at all the different avenues of wholesaling and marketing and doing things, and if you view them as little micro businesses, each thing, you can set up those little systems, those little businesses, or you want to even call them franchises or whatever, and uh, you can have them going while you're doing your other things, you know, while looking for other ways to set up more systems yep. and just putting the right people in place. And we're speaking of systems. Speaking of. Speaking of systems, guess who we have on the podcast today? The famous Frank Curtin. Frank, how are you? I am awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. We're going to talk a lot about systems with Frank. Frank is a guy that I met. At, he's a systems man, huh? Oh, man, he's <laughs> he's probably the best around for it. He helps medium. Well, it's hard to determine the size of business. He helps a lot of large Fortune 500 type of businesses setting up their systems wow. and stuff. So he's a, And he really is familiar with real estate. We're going to talk about all that stuff in a minute. I want to first tell everybody, because we haven't done this yet, Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, download our Fast Cash Survival Kit, and leave us a review. If you like this show, we would really, really, really appreciate you leaving reviews for us, either in Stitcher or iTunes. I don't know where else anybody listens to this stuff, but share us on Facebook if you like it. I got a couple good reviews here I want to read, and I swear I'm not making this up. <laughs> it says here, five stars from JLSI. Jalesi02, one of the best real estate investing podcasts out there. I've been listening for three months now, and I have to admit it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I learn awesome. something new every episode. You know, uh, do you, I don't know if you remember, Alex, we interviewed um, Henry Owens. He's a local wholesaler here in St. Louis. And yeah, it was uh, a few months ago, and we just released it last week. And I remember thinking as we were interviewing him, man, we didn't really – talk about anything ground like earth shaking or groundbreaking or really all that exciting you know it's just this is what he does and it works guess what shock i'm surprised right what he's doing the basic simple stuff and it works and he's wholesaling deals well i had somebody yesterday uh here in st louis that i was saw uh, he said hey you know what that that interview you did with henry amazing he thought it was just amazing. He learned so much really good information. He said, "Oh, it's just so encouraging." And I remember thinking, "Well, that was kind of I'm not no, I'm not knocking Henry because I thought maybe we didn't ask him any good questions, right? But <laughs> it wasn't anything that special. But people are being helped by this stuff that we're sharing. I, that that gets me going. I get excited about that. Uh, let me read another review here from Harry Paratesis. <laughs> Harry. Harry Paratesis. I hope I'm not making fun of your... You might be butchering that. I'm sorry. He says, get your notepads ready. Five stars. Joe and Alex, bring it every episode. I tried listening to this podcast while driving to the 9 to 5, but quickly stopped when I realized the amount of contact content they were dishing out that I needed to write down. I'm still, research, I'm still searching for my first deal, but I feel more prepared with all the info I'm getting from this podcast. Thank you and keep up the good job, guys. That's awesome. Thanks so much. And we got a bunch of other reviews. So if you leave a review, uh, we'll send you a bunch of free stuff. Whether it's a good review or a bad review, uh, there is a – maybe we'll put this in the show notes, but about 10, 15 episodes ago, 
I had an episode called Leave a Review, Get Free Stuff. If you leave us a review, we will send you some free books, some free videos on top of what we already have in the Fast Cash Survival Kit. So leave us a review in iTunes. We'd appreciate it. And you know what, Alex, the real reason why we're doing asking for reviews, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to surpass Sean Terry on his reviews. <laughs> That's the real reason. We have 244. He has 297. So we need about 53 or 54 more to surpass Sean. So nobody tell Sean, please. Nobody we're tell close. him. Nobody tell him that we're trying to pass him up. Because once we do, then he'll go berserk, and then he'll buy like a thousand reviews from Fiverr or something. <laughs> Just, uh, That's the yeah. secret to reviews, right there, guys. <laughs> Take a note. <laughs> okay, so Frank, welcome to the show. Sorry for the 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 uh, long introduction. Oh, I'm I'm, so, I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Frank. We met at a mastermind. Um, probably, well, have you been in the mastermind for a while? And you was you gave a presentation at the last mastermind about systems, and you're you're known as the systems guy. But talk a little bit about how you got started in the business. You were working with a pretty large multinational company before getting into into the real estate and systems. Was that right? Yeah, I, I did. And what it was is um, I, I got my MBA back in 1998, and I immediately went to IBM. And I worked in their strategy group, and my job basically there was do process consulting. So we would come in on these large hundred to two hundred million dollar projects, and we would document everything they had, and then we would create a future state, you know, something this world would look like if they applied a whole bunch of new technology and stuff. And I did that for five years. Um, it got a little old for me being on the road. I was on the road forty five weeks a year. I'd be on. I'd leave on a Sunday and come home on a Thursday. So, as my wife used to refer to me as "Good Time Charlie," because I'd come home with play with the kids for on a Saturday and pretty much be gone again. So, uh, left her with all the uh, family raising responsibilities, and you know I was out there gallivanting. So, um, I, I came home and I decided to become an entrepreneur and and just do things on my own. And uh, like you had said, I, I did do some real estate for a little while. What I really found my niche though was back in 2008 when product launches got to be um, uh, a hot thing. You know, Jeff Walker came out with his product launch formula and then the real estate market took off. Guys like Tim Mai and you know, Than Maron, a bunch of different guys wanted to launch. And Tim knew me as a um, good project manager. You know, no, he knew of my background and had solicited me to come on board with him and do this first product launch with him. I didn't want anything to do with it at first, and I said, all right, you know, I did it as a friend and as a favor. And what I quickly realized is when I got into this, I started seeing all the gaping holes in people's systems. You know, everybody, we all have systems, right? And everybody has something, whether it's documented or not. We all do something to make money, and that's our system. And what I what I started to observe is as I started getting into these uh, businesses with these launches, I'm looking at their operations, I'm looking at their customer service, and I'm, I'm reviewing all of the things they have to handle the amount of volume of business they're about to take on. And it just got me thinking, you know, hey, there's a need out here for these smaller businesses, you know, the guys that are, you know, doing somewhere between, you know, a couple hundred thousand on upwards to 10, 15, 20 million that they're not getting help or support in getting the documentation they need so they can scale and grow quickly and they can leverage people without having to you know, kill themselves doing it. And that's really what got me into the system side of things is it started with the product launches back in 2008 and then by about 2012 it was really just digging into operations for people. 
and doing that. You know, speaking of Tim Maia, I just talked to him two days ago. He's doing some amazing things right now with investors locally in the Houston market. Yes. I really like Tim. He's he's a real passionate guy. He goes at life 110%. And he's also really laid back, so he's not like high strung. But he's doing some amazing things with local investors. And I do – he is a systems guy, and he probably got a lot of that from you. Now, let's talk about that, though, Frank. Why are – Maybe why why are systems so important? And maybe you can give us some examples. Sure. Um, well, you know, first off, there's four kinds of business systems that every entrepreneur fits into one of these categories, or maybe a little quasi. The first one is the conversation type. This is a guy that typically puts a business together, and everything that they delegate out is all verbal. They're verbally they're they're delegate. Here, can you do this? Hey, can you help me do this? Can you do this? And most people, when they start their business, that's how they get off the ground. They start with themselves and they'll pick up somebody and they'll do stuff like that. So a lot of the tasks that are needed to get done are just verbal communications among people. And then we start getting into the next person we like to call the cliff note. And that's the person that all of a sudden starts developing a bunch of checklists. So they'll have all this checklist A, checklist B, checklist C. You know, Ryan Dice is famous for his checklist, a digital marketer and stuff like that. And checklists are great, but they don't give the instruction of how to. It's just the end result and you mark it when it's done. Kind of, kind of approach. So I think everybody's kind of familiar with that. And then you start getting into the little bit more advanced person, and they're what we call the book type. The book type is the person, they start documenting a lot of things, but it tends to be a little bit static. Uh, you know, they'll document at one time, people will go to it, but then as, you know, we all know things change quickly and rapidly in our space and in our world, especially in the online world, and technology changes, and the documentation gets a little bit old. So people start taking, uh, they, they, they stop paying attention to it, to the documentation and they start doing it their way, whatever their way was. They may have learned it from you through that little documentation, but they'll start doing it their way. And so now you got this little, you know, pot of people that are out there doing their own thing, um, even though they have the instruction. And lastly is the movie type. And this is the one that we're all ultimately striving to. You know how you want your business to run. And when I say you, I'm talking you, the general business owner. You know how you want your business to run. And if you if you think about a movie, if I read a book versus watch a movie, I lose the creativity in the movie because they're going to paint that picture for me. So if they say red car, uh, for example, in a book, they're going to start describing the car in detail and you're going to create the image in your mind. And then in the, in the movie version, they're just going to show you the red car. They don't have to paint it for you. They're just going to drive this thing up and there it is. And so you don't get any creativity on that. You don't get to create any nuances about it. It's just what it is that they show you. Well, in business, ideally, we'd like it to run like a movie. We want to show them exactly what we want, so they'll do exactly what we want. You know, one of the biggest complaints you'll hear people say is, I can't get anybody to do it the way I do it. You know, that's the movie, that's the yeah. movie concept, but it's, they don't have the documentation to support it. And so that's kind of you know, the, the general wheel, if you will, of where people start, you know, just verbally shouting things out all the way to the point where you start getting into these large corporations where they've got everything really well documented out. They've got video training for everything and they'll show you step-by-step step everything you need to know, you know, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, there's no Fortune 2000 company out there, Joe, that has, uh, that started with all that documentation in place. At some point, they started with a conversation and it just worked its way into a business and they just kept documenting and growing and leveraging. Well, why why is documentation important? And then 
let's talk because you, you talked about the systems, and there's yeah. four different kinds of systems. Are you saying that that um, number four is what we need to aspire to? Or? Eventually, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, it's going to depend on the type of business you have. Because if you're if you're in a um, uh, a repeatable process type business, then the movie type would be an aspiration. If you are in a you know creative thinking, if you're if you're own a marketing firm, for example, and you you have to go and create new marketing materials for for people for clients, that's a little different. That's what we call framework thinking. So there's framework thinking, there's repeatable process thinking. That's where I can hire lower wage individuals to do things for me. Then I, if I have to hire somebody for their brain, like for, for their actual thinking, creativity, like a subject matter expert in marketing or subject matter expert in some other discipline that I don't have in my business, I have to be a little more flexible there. I can't create it for them. They're gonna, they're, I'm paying them to be the creator. Do you know what I mean? Right. So before a real estate investing business like what we have, mm-hmm. we need to have – the systems written down that are more of a repeatable process. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, see, so you guys uh, in the real estate space, you when when you guys nail down the process that works for your business, you'd like that to just you want to you know wash, rinse, repeat. Anytime you hear somebody say that kind of talk, then that needs to be documented really detailed because you want to be able to hand it off to somebody and have them wash, rinse, repeat, and see that money still flow into your bank account, not out. So to, to do that, the documentation That's exactly is, what we were talking about today with the HUD stuff. Bingo. Yeah. There you go. You've got an assistant, Joe. You don't have it. You know, and, and Joe, I know that you're one of the more advanced people in the space when it comes to having a repeatable system in place where you whoa, can whoa, plug whoa. something. I, I thought I was until I heard you talk and I heard your presentation, Frank. <laughs> and now I feel like a little child. Well, I, you, know, you know what it is? is um, there are a number of things that people need to think about when it comes to systems. There's a comprehensive business system, which probably got you thinking along those lines. See, a lot of us, we, we map out our deals. We will we'll document how to do a deal. But there's more to a business than just our deal. There's the whole back office. There's the hiring process. There's the accounting process. There's a number of things that happen in our businesses as well that have to be accounted for. And more often than not, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to those in the early days. And it's because if you're not making money, you don't need that stuff, right? I don't need to. I don't need to worry about hiring anybody. I don't need to worry about accounting if I don't have any revenue. So it's mm-hmm. I've got to, you know, as we, when we start that business, it's all about selling, selling, selling. We got to sell. We got to get deals going. We got to get deal flowing. And you and a lot of people that you've helped have Podio and other resources that they're using from Infusionsoft to Zoho to other things, where they're actually managing their businesses quite well from a deal flow perspective. They can bring a deal into the lead generation. They start that pipeline going, and they spit it out with with a profit at the end. And that's that's a good feeling knowing that you have that. But then there's so much more to your business beyond that because now there's well, how do I get that person in there? How do I how do I make this faster? How do I um, allow for this cash flow part of it that underlies the whole thing? How do I make that better? How do I keep more of that money? Can I reduce costs over here? Can I you know what are the things that can I do? And every time somebody tugs at your shoulder, you know, that tugs on your shirt and says, hey, how do I? If they start their conversation with that, that's an opportunity for a documentation, if that makes sense. Right. And so then talk about what happens if you don't have those systems or documents written out. You you use that word a lot, documentation, Frank. Um, Yeah. Meaning just go back and while you're doing something making sure you're uh, keeping track of what you're doing so it's duplicatable? 
It is. And anyone who's a subject matter expert in your business, so like you're going to be the majority of your subject matter expertise. But if you hire, if you, let's say you're not a good marketer and you hired somebody with a marketing skill, then they become that subject matter expert in your business for that. Then you need what's in their head. Because the reality is when we hire talent, generally we're hiring them for what they know, right? And, and their application of that. So they know something and then they can also apply it. That's why we hire people. That's what, that's what we hopefully hire people. And if we did that and we get the documentation down, then if they choose to move on for greener pastures, you retain the knowledge that you initially hired them for. So the next person coming in doesn't have to be as skilled, but they could still accomplish the same level of productivity, if that makes sense. And when I say documentation, I'm talking about literally getting it out of your head and onto some form of digital communication on paper, on digital, somehow, some way. It's got to be something that we can show someone else who can step in. And, you know, for a lot of the smaller companies, you've got three, four, five employee type things. Um, if somebody takes a vacation, that could be like a week's a week of no productivity because everybody's relying on this person that just left. And there's they, they don't have the answers that they typically would request from that person. Well, that's what documentation sort of alleviates. It's where you, you know, and I think, Joe, if you recall that uh, the presentation I gave, the very first question I asked is, what if you left your business for one full month? What would happen to it? Right? Yeah, yeah. And it, here's the thing that I'm thinking about as you're talking about this, because I've had systems where, like, I'm going to be hiring a new VA to do some marketing, let's say. And so I'll go into Google Docs. I'll just write everything out. And then I'll do a video of myself going through that stuff. So hey, I have Joe, it written. It's, yeah. You know, that's something I struggle with. You just say, I just write everything out. It, that's right there is difficult in and of itself, and for me anyway, trying to write everything out in a systematic, coherent, <laughs> flowing right. process. You know, you're very good with spreadsheets and stuff like that, like you know, we've always said. But just going in and writing everything out is... Especially when you start getting into, well, if this is this, then that is that. And if this is this, then that is that, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, know? yeah, but you, you can start, you can write something really basic. But I think where you would probably, your strength would be then, Alex, is recording yourself on video doing that stuff, right? Right. So you can write out, what I try to do is I'll write out some simple, like, first I'll start it off with, what's my objective? What are the results I'm looking for? I, why am I doing this? So if it's postcards, my goal is to send out a thousand postcards a week and I want to send them to, um, in these zip codes to these types of sellers. All right. So that's, those are my objectives every week. Or it could be, I, I want something done every day by 10 a.m. I want you to go to the court website and scrape uh, to, at every eviction from the last seven days and every probate or whatever and put it into this spreadsheet. And I want this done every day or every week by Wednesday at 10 a.m. So you can write that stuff down, right? Then you record yourself on video doing that. But here's, here's the problem that I've had, Frank. I've done that before and that's great. But then when that assist, when that VA leaves or I have to hire somebody else, I look at that and think, Oh, that's kind of outdated. So I I do it again sometimes. Like I don't feel comfortable enough sending them that same procedure that I wrote a year and a half ago. Right. So I'll I'll start from that previous document, 
you know, that Google Doc, and then I'll edit it a little bit, and then I'll re-record the video because there's things that I've learned, there's things that have changed over over the last year and a half. So how could you? I, I feel like I'm only probably halfway to where I need to be with systems. How do you? How do you make that stuff more evergreen? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, process documentation is a dynamic thing. It is not static. It's not a sit down, record it once, and leave it. If somebody is responsible for executing against that and they take note of something that changed, they need to be empowered to update the documentation. Right. Now, there are three types of documentation that I think are needed in all businesses. The first one is the linear approach. That's called step-by-step. That's, that's the text. That's do this, open, log in here, open this screen, go to this report, you know, run these numbers, do you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, and it's linear. The problem is, is for most of the things that we have, we have a lot of if-thens, right? So it's the fork in the road. So mm-hmm. if you see this, then take these actions. If you see that, then take these actions. Well, that's where we start looking at, I need perspective, right? And the only way you're going to see perspective quickly is with a diagram. So if I took those very same linear and steps... now it gets and, even more complicated. So, <laughs> That's exactly so now, what I was talking about. So now I diagram it, right? But, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to fix what I think you're going through, Alex, here in a second. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. And then thirdly, so now, now I get that. Because so here's what I need. I need. I need the instructions. That's the text. I need the perspective. That's the diagram. And I need context. That's the video. That's where you talk and you give your thoughts about it. Right. So as you're doing the, because this is what you guys are probably doing, Joe, you come in and you'll create that video. And not only are you doing the steps, but you're having a conversation with the person that's going to eventually listen to that. You're right. telling them your thoughts. Okay. I'm going to do this because I need this. Right. right. And if I'm documenting the process, you're saying, do this. You don't say, do this because I need this. You just say, do this. And if you look at a flow diagram, same thing. It's an action, an action verb, and a noun. Right. Log in to this URL. You know, Press this, click here, select that. These are all action verbs and, and, and then a noun, whatever that noun is that you're taking the action on. So that's, that's process documentation. And um, with those three things in place, you now have all the modalities that people will learn in. Because some of the people that you're going to give tasks to, they, they, all they need to do is watch the video one time and they don't need anything else and they'll be able to go and replicate it. They're just like boom, 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 everything, and they keep nailing it. Other people, they need to see that fork in the road. So they, that diagram is very helpful for them. And then some people, they could see it just linearly. linearly. So I get my little tongue tied going. And now, Alex, one of the things that people tend to mess up when they're doing process documentation it's my number one pet peeve when, I, when I'm coaching people on this. They will start to create the process they wish they had, not the one they have. Mm-hmm. And it's because they get stuck in this, oh, you know, they're writing it down and an idea pops in it. Boy, if I just did this. And Joe, you probably do this with your Podio stuff. You're just like, yeah, oh, that makes well, sense. hell, why would I write it this way? Let's just do this in Podio and do this. this. And by before long, this one process that you sat down to document, which should have taken you 10, 15 minutes max, you're now an hour and a half into it. And you're getting lost in your own process because you're digging in so deep as to what you could be doing. Because now all of a sudden you're not happy with what you got. You're like, boy, this this could be better after you read it through. You know, yeah. You know, and that's one of the challenges I notice for people. So um, process documentation should always start with document what you have first. It's called the as-is world or the current state. It's what it's the way it is now. The reason you want to do that is you can test it. 
if I document what I have now, I can hand it to somebody, they could go do it and test it. And the outcome they get is an expect it's it's the expected outcome. If I try to introduce something new, then whatever they get, it, their guess is as good as mine as to whether or not we got what we expected because it's new, right? It's something we're doing all brand new. And so every process that you have, Joe, you mentioned something earlier, and um, I like the way you're thinking. You're on the right track. Every process has a purpose, and you should write that down so that the people who are doing this process know why they're doing it. It should also have an initiating event. What's causing you to do that? Like you said, every Wednesday I want to do this, or every day we search this county website for leads, You know, stuff like that. That's an initiating event. And then you need a goal. What is the expected outcome? So that when this person actually does all the steps, they know what they're going to get. So in my documentation, I always have purpose, initiating event, um, goal, and then tactic. And the tactic is the steps. Can, can you repeat that again? I start off with the purpose, then the initiating event. So what's causing me to do that? The goal, which is the outcome I'm expecting. And purpose and goal, sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. Right? Okay. And then, and, and I'll give you an example of one. And then lastly would be the tactic. The tactic is what steps are you using to accomplish this? Okay. So now think about this for a second. A purpose could be um, I, I'm going to go to my, uh, my county website to extract all of the NOD lists because on this county that I'm working in, the notice of defaults are published. Okay. So I'm going to do that. My goal is to get new NOD leads daily. That's my goal. My purpose is to get NOD leads. I want, I'm going to, I invest in NODs. I do short sales. That's my thing, well, then I need to get leads, right? Well, that's the process I use for this website. That's one of my lead generation sources. So in my hierarchy world, I have lead gen, right? So I'm, I'm going to do something to get leads. I've got some sort of an acquisition or deal acquisition. So now I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to have an appointment and a conversation with the seller to be able to do that and, or an appointment with a buyer to sell something to. And then I'm going to have the negotiation part and I'm going to have a series of processes with that. And then I got a disposition or an exit. I got to get out of this deal somehow or else I don't make any money, right? Unless I'm a buy and hold guy. But I have to know what I'm doing. So I, I got to generate leads. I got to have conversations with people about it. They say yay or nay. I get, then I negotiate deals, however that's, whatever that looks like in your world. And it's, it could be multiple things. So when I do process documentation, especially in real estate, I will map out deal flow first because let's face it, until you get your, uh, your cash flowing, you don't have a business. You got a concept. And so we want to get all the deal flow mapped out. So if you're into, let's say, like you just said, you do HUDs, but that's not all you've been doing. This is something new you just took on three months ago. So in your world, there's a deal flow process from uh, initiating the leads generation component all the way through exiting it and you would map out what do you do for HUDs and HUDs alone. Then you look for synergies because sometimes there might be something you're doing in maybe your other wholesaling business where you're able to leverage what you're doing procedurally and just plug the HUD, the HUD leads into that and still spit out a deal on the back side of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So again, the, the purpose of creating these systems and processes and documenting it out it's real simple. So it can be repeated over and over again. So you can hire – everybody should read the book, The E-Myth. Bingo. The E-Myth Revisited, I think, is the latest version of it. And this, that explains the why, I think, really, really well. 
because you can be because the guy uh, Michael Gerber talks about in the first part of the book, everybody wants to be, and I'm doing I'm doing a horrible job describing it, but everybody wants to be a business owner. But really, what they find after they get into it is that they've just created another job for themselves, and they're more stressed out than ever. They're working harder than ever. They the dream that they thought they'd have of being independent and financially free is totally lost because they have not taken the time to build systems so that they can hire other people to do what they're good at. Exactly. Most of us are not good. Well, maybe we are, but we're better at uh, managing the business, being bigger picture, working on the business, not in it, as the popular saying goes. Mm-hmm. So creating these systems, correct me if I'm wrong, and documenting them is important because it allows us to grow the business without and do more deals, make more money, without pulling all of our hair out and stressing out about whether it's getting done correctly or not. Is that right? It absolutely is. And if you look at it from this perspective, Joe, if I hire somebody and that new person is going to consume 20% of my day requesting my assistance with their job, right? So I'm hiring them. They're going to they're gonna take up about you know one and a half to maybe two hours a day of my time to help them do their job. Well, if I hire five people, then where do I do what I'm supposed to do? And right. if, I, if I hire seven people, I got to work 14 hours just to support them doing their job before I can even do my job. And so it gets to a point of what we call leverage capacity. There's zero leverage capacity when you've reached your maximum where you can no longer help another person. And that's what stifles growth. Yeah, well, that gets so frustrating. Yeah, big, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was just saying, a big term for that is called burnout. That'll burn you out so fast. For sure. Oh, yeah. That's why a lot of guys don't hire. They're like, oh, I'm happy with my business the size it is. It's because they, they haven't you figured know, out documentation. That's kind of the position I'm in. You know, I talked to some of my friends around here. One of them uh, is, is like, I've got um, all these type salespeople that I've hired, an inside salesperson, outside salesperson. And um, my overhead's like $40,000 a month. And I'm like, dude, you can have that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, the, the thing with hiring is I'm like, yeah, I'm happy where things are. I've got a project manager in place that handles a lot of the different new construction projects we've got going on. And I'm kind of at that point where I'm like, man, I just don't know if I want to bring on other people that I want to be responsible for. And I'm kind of happy where things are, you know, and I exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. You're having some good success, Alex, but you don't really have the systems written down or the processes written down. So I do for certain marketing things, but not every single thing, you know. So, Frank, answer that question. I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit here because I I think some people are maybe thinking this. Why would I need all these systems written down? Why does Alex need to have everything documented if he's already happy where he's at? He's already successful with, with what he's doing. Well, there's a couple of reasons. Let's look at the first one. When you start a business and it's for yourself, you know, your, your responsibilities to you and your family, right? The moment you hire one person, your responsibility just grew to your family and their family. And, you're, and you are running the That's show exactly for... That's exactly I, how I look at it. <laughs> and, so, you know, and a lot of guys don't because a lot of people, they, they don't have an issue with hiring and firing. 
They don't have an issue with that. It's, it's, you know, it's whatever the demands of the business are. Other people look at it and say, hey, as soon as I bring somebody on, I've got a responsibility for them and their family and their well-being. And I need to make sure that if I want to – I'll give you the best reason why documentation is important. If you want to get the maximum value out of your employees, you've got to give them the instruction and the tools they need to be the best they can be. Because if they struggle with their job, you could hire really smart people. And if they don't have the tools they need to do their job well and the instruction they need to maximize what they're capable of doing, they're going to get frustrated. And a frustrated employee does not give you their best. Uh And they'll leave. I think, Alex, you've been pretty fortunate to have a really good relationship with your your project manager. Yes. Um, But what if he were to quit or leave? I'd be up a creek without a paddle right now. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, and, and again, and that goes. Do you know what they do? Do you know what they're? I mean, you know what their results are. Do you know what well, they do? Yes, I've got a. I mean, it's we're talking new construction development and stuff like that. Oh. So I've he's he he has a because uh, he's not a licensed contractor. He brings in a contractor mm-hmm. that we basically pay to use his license, and he man you know and manages um and that contractor does the stuff, but. He keeps things moving, I guess, with the subs and, and things like that along with that contractor. So I don't even talk to that contractor. He right. deals with him. And then if he left, and that, that would put me in that position where I'd have to deal with that contractor and things like that. So Right. And see, so he's got a subject matter expertise that you hired him for. Yeah. That if he were to document how he does his interaction. So you have a process where you hire a contractor to come in and build for you, right? And you've got a project manager internal that runs those projects. If they document what they do, then this guy could take a vacation and you could keep moving because you could bring in a temp, you could do it yourself, but you can plug and play resources. Imagine trying to plug and play resources with no documentation. Who's going to do what? And what are, what are they going to base that on? Because all of us, if we all read a book, we're going to have a different perspective of how everything played out in that book. We all watched the movie. We all come away with the same. We all saw the same thing. Now, how you internalize that, that's, that's up to you. But if you only operate off of checklists or something like that, which is typically how a lot of uh, businesses run, then the know-how of how these things were done, it's almost next to impossible. And that's a feeling of overwhelm. You get thrown into that. Somebody says, hey, could you just cover that for John? John's on vacation this week. Can you cover that? Nobody realizes how big of a task that actually becomes because this guy doesn't know his job and he doesn't know how to find out the information of this job. But yet they're going to be responsible for it for this week while this guy's gone. Stuff like that. In your case, you know, it's one project manager. Do you have other people doing other things for you? No, it's the project manager handles all the different uh, contractors. I mean, he's in well, the. You've pre- got a. You've also you you got a VA. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a V. If you're talking along those lines with marketing and stuff like that, I have a VA that, uh, yeah. or a couple of VAs. I have a data entry style VA that does a lot of my different um, pulling mm-hmm. from lists. And then mm-hmm. I have a VA that handles the calls. And then I have a VA, um, yeah, the VA that handles the calls. And then, well, two VAs that handle the calls. And then one that's doing the data pulling and stuff like that. But on the construction side of things um that's you know that's that's pretty much what i have going with the project manager and um and the contractor that he works with essentially right and and, you know one of the keys with um, documentation is time freedom i mean let's face it we all we all you know everybody probably 
started working for somebody you know out of school either high school college whatever they started in a job somewhere they they did their nine to five or some other crazy hour shift shift type work or you know some sort of a thing like that so they understood that um, you were only responsible for the stuff you did in that time frame and when you went home you went home because you didn't have the responsibility or the burden of everyone else around you necessarily right I'm not saying that's true for everybody but that's the general statistics and then when they open their own business the hope was that I'm going to be in control of me and my time, my schedule, and my earnings, and all this sort of stuff. And as that growth starts to happen, as the success starts to, you know, you can feel it coming on. You can, you know, you see the wages coming in, you know, or the, I should say the earnings coming in and stuff. And you start bringing people on. You realize you're working harder. Joe, you said it earlier. Entrepreneurs work hard. They mm-hmm. work hard, and more often than not, they're working two uh, uh, upwards of two times the amount of time they would normally spend in a job. These guys will work 80 to 100 hours a week in their early days. And they're doing it because they have to. Because every time they bring somebody on without this formalized systems in place, it makes it difficult. Look at something like Subway or McDonald's or any of these franchise type companies. You know, Emith talks about this very, you know, uh, more elaborately. But when you look at a franchise, how is it that in four months they go from a blank slate of land to a full building with staffed employees selling burgers or selling subs. How do they do that? And it's systems. They come in and they can hire. They know when to hire. They know they know their numbers on stuff like that. And they can do it so fast. But that first shop that was built wasn't like that. Right? That wasn't done day one. They built that so that it could be repeated. Uh, you know, Mrs. Fields Cookies was a great example of technology exploding a cookie business. Her husband did that, and it was amazing how quickly they exploded. And then they got into trouble uh, because for, for a whole other set of reasons. But you know, everybody that's ever walked a mall has probably smelled a, you know, the Mrs. Fields cookie. You know, they purposefully blow fans out to blow it out into the mall to get people to come in there. Right. So, but it's it's that systemization that gives you the ability, you and your business, the leverage you need because you could only give so much of your time. And most of you want your time back. And when you talk about if I get bigger, it's going to eat more of my time. Well, um, that's what IBM thought. But a lot of people own shares of IBM and they don't go to work for IBM. Right. <laughs> right? And they still, make, yeah. they still get paid, not necessarily a salary, but they get paid as an owner through either stock growth or through dividends or whatever it is that they're getting paid. That's the ideal business owner. Well, let's talk about... Let's break this down into maybe some simple things that people could start doing today, Frank. Yeah. Um, to start, they want to docu- document some of their processes. What are you, you? I want you to make sure you you talk about this one tool you showed me while we were in uh, Phoenix, right? Last December. But how somebody getting started listening to this, they want to have a business that they're uh, that's making them a lot of money. They're not working eighty hours a week in. They want to start hiring people and they want to start developing the systems process. Where do they start? What do they do? The very first thing you need to do is you got to plan it out. Because one of the things that can get very overwhelming very quickly is you look at the number of things you do in your business. You're going, oh, Christ, that's going to take forever to get this thing documented. So what you do is you chunk it down. Do something that is of value to you right away. So I always start, and especially in real estate, because this is all real estate guys on here, start with your deal flow. You know, look at your deal flow uh, across the board. And Joe, I know you've gone in and helped people set up Podio to automate a bunch of stuff for people. But when I'm talking about deal flow, I'm talking end-to-end soup to nuts. From the time you generate that first lead in the door till the time you take the money out of that transaction and close it out and it's it's off your books and 
the profit's been recorded. So from that perspective, so you got from lead gen to deal acquisition, all that, chunk it down and attack them one at a time. And one good way to do this is don't plan on getting it done in a weekend. It's not going to happen. Don't do that. You'll go crazy trying to do that. Break it down. Spend an hour a week. Get your team together, the one who's, you know, the team that's responsible for that section. And if you're by yourself, if, the t- if it's a team of one, so be it. But spend about an hour and just document what you do today the way you do it today. Just get it written down. And then every week you can keep building on that. And keep in mind that as people are executing this, you've got to empower them to make changes when the changes are apparent. And so, you know, that system you talked about was Doc and Do. Doc and Do was a system designed by me and, a, and another guy that was a, a very successful business owner who went through these same struggles of documentation and deployment. And so, you know, we put together this system because I wanted people to update things when they need to update them because things change so fast. And the worst thing you could do is spend all your time documenting. Like, Joe, you mentioned that earlier, you put it into Google Docs. It gets pretty static until somebody gets in there and makes a change and makes it updated. And then if you update it, then you've got to decide when do you tell somebody. How do you communicate that that it's updated? You know, Doc and do is all real time. You know, now, Doc, how do you use, there's a website for that. What is the website? It is Doc and do, D-O-C-A-N-D-D-O. So it's as in document and do it. It's doc and do. Okay, D O C A N D D O. Now this is really cool, guys. The there's there's also something similar, but not as robust, called Sweet Process. Correct. But this is so much better. The thing I like about it, though, either this system or something like Sweet Process or whatever, it's really easy to go in and insert steps or edit just the step but not the whole document. You know what I'm saying? Like the way I used to do it, everything is in a Google Doc and I do one video for the whole thing. Right. Well, if I were to change one thing, I'd have to do the whole video all over again. But something like this allows you to break it down in chunks, just like you're talking about, with subcategories, right? So that you can look at it from a high level, then a a, a subcategory level, and then a sub-subcategory level, and you can see the individual steps in there, and you can record little videos or instructions on just each different step. Right. Right? Then when Google Docs updates their interface and changes their menus around or whatever, you can go in or have your your team member who's doing that process go in and create a new video for just that little step there and how to uh, – the, the way it, the new way it works once – that software changes. You know, does that, does that make sense? Yes. And, you know, the, way, the, the easiest way, you know, we talked about this documentation thing. Think of documentation as the brain and the body, right? We have, we've got limbs, we've got, you know, extremities. We've all this stuff that do things for us. But the brain is the control center, right? And in your business, you're going to have lots of tools. You're going to have lots of resources that you deploy to do things for you. But somewhere needs to reside the instruction manual the policies and procedures that let that business do the things it does the way you want it done. And so what Doc and Do was created is not to replace the Podios and the, uh, you know, the Infusionsofts and your websites and all that. It's not to replace any of that. On the contrary, it's to make them better. It's to make sure that you use it the way your business needs it used. So, you know, as you know, Joe and Podio, you can customize it to do a gazillion things. I mean, that's a very, very flexible system. But once it's built, you still have to have instructions on it. How do I do this? 
how, how did you build this particular thing? So that way, if they make a change and update, because as we all know, you know, third-party software never changes anything where we break <laughs> something, right? Right. Yeah, welcome to Infusionsoft world, right? Every time an update comes out, I'm like, oh, my God, how many websites are we breaking today? Yeah. So, but it, it's because things change, and we need to reflect that in our instruction manual. So, you know, you hurt your arm, your brain tells you it's hurt. You know it, right? So we need to be able to go out there, and your brain's going to tell it to repair, it just doesn't happen. It's your brain's telling it to do that. It's maybe the subconscious part of it, but it's it's still happening. We have to do the same in our business. We have to treat our documentation as the instruction manual, as the lifeblood of the business. So it gives life to the business. And, it, and really, it gives you back your life. Because until you do that, you're, you're a hostage to your business. Well, Frank, where can what are some tools or resources that you can recommend to people to Maybe study, read, get more information on this stuff, or figure out how to do it, or maybe even get some good examples, things oh, like that. Uh, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, if you can go get a free account at Doc and Do, and then you could, we have what's called a template gallery, and you can download templates and play around with them and look at it, and you download them right into your thing, take a look at what they're, what's in there. There's some documentation in there about that. So that's a helpful uh, resource. It's one of the things that we like about it is because other people can put some great ideas in there, and you can download it and use it if they make it available to you. First of all, I didn't know you were involved with creating this. Yes. Yep. I yep. didn't, it was one of I my didn't even know job. that. I, I thought you just were telling me about it. I, I tell a lot of people about it, actually. <laughs> well, duh, that's why. I, but yes. I did not know you helped create this. Yeah, I tried using a lot of the other tools out there, but you know, one of the challenges I found... <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry, Frank. No, no worries. No worries. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, again, we built this not... It's not about me. It's about what it can do for business. That's why we yeah. built it. And you know, I, I don't need to take any credit forward you know yes it's got a lot of the thinking behind it its structure is based on how i worked with other people and what their complaints were about what they couldn't do with google docs and other things like that um just just because of the dynamic nature that we knew business needs you mm. know for the very reason you said you i mean you said it straight up i'll update it and then 18 months later i hire a new va and i'm just not confident that stuff's up to date i gotta yes. go back and redo it again right that's painful as a business owner, and it's painful for any business. It's not to say that you know you go into the Fortune 2000 companies that they're perfect. I mean, let's face it. But I will say this: when you get hired by one of those, you're up you're up and running usually fast. They get you going quickly. You know what you're doing. But when the little guy hires you, and if you've ever worked for a small company before, there's a lot of like, holy shit, what do I got to get myself into? <laughs> you know, Cause, right? Because it's like you're not sure how this is going to go. You're just not sure. So the better documentation we as business owners can do, the better experience our employees are going to have, the more profitable we can be, the more productive we can be. And that's Doc and Do was designed to help support businesses who want to do that. That's why it was created. That's really good. And, and I can see maybe people are th maybe a little overwhelmed with this, but I like what you said. Just chunk it down, plan it out. Don't think you can get through this in one or two days or in a weekend. But give yourself some time. And, you know, I think this is fantastic. One of the things that I'm probably going to do, for me, mind mapping works really well to yes. start this kind of a process out. Because I got all these ideas in my head and it's hard to kind of, I just need to do a brain dump. Yes. And I think if maybe some ideas that some of you are thinking about doing something like this, just brain dump all of your stuff out. And if you do it on a mind map, it's easy to move things around, right? So you can move things in the correct order that they need to be in. I think that's what I'm going to do 
with my business and then put it into something like Doc and Do where I can then – it doesn't have to be like 20 steps for each different procedure. Nope. I mean it, it can be just a simple one or two things. But if it's document, I, I can I right now I can if my assistants were listening to this, I know they would be saying, "Joe, are you paying attention? <laughs> are you listening to Frank? Joe, hello. <laughs> this is really really good, Frank. Um, all right, so how can people get in touch with you? You do some occasionally one on one consulting with businesses. Uh, is that right? I do. What? Yeah. Okay. I, I try to help, you know, I try to help people, you know, I, I generally will work with one to two clients in a given month, you know, and I, I won't, um, I, I try not to overload it, uh, on doing that, but, um, they can reach me at the T H E smart guides, G U I D E S.com. And that's a site that I use for, um, sort of explaining what systems are about and things of that nature. And, uh, they can sign up for a free consult and stuff like that if they, if they're interested in doing something of that nature. Um, so, you know, the, the key for, you know, any of this stuff, guys is get started, keep it simple, do not overcomplicate. It. It's not complicated. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. Um, the, the cardinal rule is you document what you do the way you do it so you can test it. Because yeah. really hard to, if you don't have a baseline, then how do you know you improved anything? Anyways, right? So you do that. You're just going to lay it out, build it, and the improvement starts after you're all done with your documentation. Then you go through the improvement process. Then you can go in and you know hook up with a guy like Joe, and you'll podio the crap out of your business, you know, and you'll, no. <laughs> you'll have everything all over the place. So you know, and, and it'll all be automated, you know, and and that's that's important because a lot of people are manual still, especially in the real estate space. A lot of you all are manual. You, you, yeah. you have your manual contracts, your manual everything. And there's nothing wrong with that when you start. Absolutely not. But document how you do it so you can get help. That's good. And you know, it's many times you don't know where you need help. You don't know what's broken until you document it and you see what you're doing. You know, a funny story, Joe, you, you, you mentioned that. Um, I can remember when I was doing real estate in the mid-2000s, my partner and I, we wanted to hire an assistant and for the life of us. And here's me with the experience I had. And I was scratching my head going, what are we going to have them do? We have like 7,000 things that we want to do. So if we hired the first person, what do we want them to do? And, and, and we struggled with that for almost three months before we hired our first person and said, let's just get some help somewhere, anywhere. <laughs> to get, right. And that, that's how it came to be you know, for us back then because I didn't follow my own advice back then. Hmm. Well, this is really good. All right, guys. So go to docanddo.com, D-O-C-A-N-D-D-O.com to check out this software website. And, and by the way, the mobile version of this is really cool. I, I like mobile stuff that looks good on, you know, on a tablet or a phone. Uh, it looks really good on a, de- a device, a handheld device. Right. And uh, I was going to recommend that thing even before – I knew that you were involved with it, Frank. So now that you are involved, I'm extra highly recommending it to everybody. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, and, and that, I hope it helps a lot of people. Oh, I think it will. And it just takes a lot of this this concept uh, and grounds it down into reality. Like, okay, well, all this stuff sounds good ethereally up here in the you know in my brain. How do I? make this more concrete where it actually I can start applying it. Well, this kind of helps you do that just naturally. It's really nice. And then to get more information about Frank, I've talked to some people that he's worked with guys. They've really um, get a lot out of what he does for businesses. The smart guides.com T H E S M A R T the smart guides 
G-U-I-D-E-S dot com. Um, well, thanks, Frank. I sure appreciate it. We were talking a week or two ago about maybe doing a workshop together. We're still talking right. in the talking phases about that. I'm excited about that. I'm hoping that something works out or happens in the near future. And those of you on of our on our list or the podcast list, just stay tuned and we'll be talking more about that in the future as we kind of narrow those get those plans nailed down. I have an idea if they respond to the uh comments like you were talking about earlier for for your show and, and doing that. Yeah. Just just say this is something you want and if we get enough comments like that then you know Joe will make that a reality. Yeah, okay. So leave a review on iTunes or on our website at realestateinvestingmastery.com and let us know if you would like some kind of workshop where we dive deep into this stuff. Let us know and if there's enough interest out there then We'll get our button gear and start scheduling it earlier rather than later. So cool. Well, thanks, Frank, for being on the show. I appreciate thanks. it. Great call. Thanks. Yeah, that was really good. Alex, Thank you, I Alex. appreciate you on it as well. Thank you. Great info. All right, guys. Go to Real Estate Investing Mastery to get the show notes. Leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll talk to you later. See you, guys. Take care. See ya.